what are we doing? What are we here for? Well, well, I'm glad you asked, John. It sounds like we should record a podcast called Unqualified Gamers, episode 52. I'm, I'm still, like, never going to get used to calling this podcast. I'll get used to it eventually, but calling it Unqualified Gamers Podcast. Like, listener, you've reached the Unqualified Gamers Podcast. But which... we, we don't really need to call it podcast, do we? Well, it's our, it's, it's our podcast. Well, like, The I mean, Nerdist it's... is a website, and it's not The Nerdist Podcast. Then w- what is it? Well, it's like Star Trek The Next Generation is a TV show, right? They don't call it Star Trek The Next Generation show. They called it Lost Show. They did call it Lost Show. Yeah. But see, that was ABC. And we are not affiliated with ABC. Yet. We're not affiliated with them yet. Although, ABC, if you would like to pick us up... We are here. Yes, I'm sure. Wait, for... do, wait. Are they are they Troy Aikman and, and Joe Buck? I, I think that is no. I think that's ABC. I hate you so much. We right can't now. be affiliated with them. I hate you so much right now. They're not Chris Collinsworth, I don't think. So for me, that's. Why are we talking about Thor? So this is episode 52 of Unqualified Gamers. I am your host, Cody, and this is... John. Oh, I'm sorry. What were you going to try to say? My name. No, it sounded like you were going to say something besides John. Well, I said my name. Okay. Because did, I'm an, I'm also a host. Did you say my name, say my name? Did you do that? And you know, Beyonce just came out with a new album. Yeah, I heard about that. Hey, let's not talk about it because I don't care. Well, you should care because it sold like the most albums ever in a 24-hour period. That's probably not the correct stat. I, mean, I think it sold the most digital albums in in a 24-hour period. It sold like 900,000 albums, and that's like a a full year for like the hittiest of hit albums. So, again, not caring about Beyoncé. Uh, wow, this has been this, this is the Beyoncé podcast. This has been among one of the worst one of the worst intros, I would say, to an episode. She is fierce. Yeah? What is she? I don't know what that means. Okay, so John's been uh, John's been drinking. I've been working. You have been working. You're slap happy. I cannot wait. Are you even going to talk about video games in this podcast, or were you just thinking about Beyonce? She's fierce. Speaking of fierce, let's talk about our weekends briefly, and then... Talk about what our listeners been playing, and then maybe talk about what we've been playing. You know, the video game part of the video game podcast. Yeah, whatever. I think you may have finally beat me on weekends in terms of quality. Uh, uh, happenings. Quality is not the right word because there are very, you know, there's various ways to measure quality of weekends. But you had a big weekend. That's. I did have a pretty big weekend. I will. I will admit. I'm. I would say I did pretty well this weekend. You had a weekend. So what exactly happened? What was I, going on? I had a weekend. So many things happened. All the things happened. Basically, every holiday party d- happened at kind of at once. It was very party heavy. My oldest brother, Jason, came into town Friday, and we saw Moist Boys. Have you heard of them? Um, no, but that's an odd name for a group, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> so, it, no, it is an odd name for a group, and I saw them in Lakeview, which, if you don't know Chicago, is very close to Boys Town, the oldest 
historically gay neighborhood, I think, in the country. Uh, Boys Town is like the capital of Chicago for the gays. And I saw Moist Boys in very close proximity to Boys Town. I think Town. I've heard there's very expensive housing there. I don't know why I've heard that. Uh, it's It depends. It's Where, in Boys Town specifically? Yeah. Not much more than the surrounding area. It's not like a lot nicer. There's there's a lot of bars, but okay. Anyway, yeah. continue. So anyway, uh, but but yes. So when when I told people I was seeing Moist Boys, I just assumed because like all the gay bars there have uh have kind of a, a subtle uh innuendo like they're all called Hydrate or uh wow that didn't really sound like innuendo, did it? That doesn't sound like an innuendo at all. I'm no, okay. Confused. Well, what does that mean? Look, they do have bars there that are kind of innuendo. I just I can't think of any, okay? Oh. <laughs> like hydrate. <laughs> that was really and, or- and and bar orange juice, you know. Orange juice. Oh, worst podcast beginning ever. So anyway, I saw Moist Boys. Moist Boys is actually Ween's guitarist's side project. You know the band okay. Ween? Nope. Okay. All right. Well, this conversation's over. I, I actually am not very familiar with Ween either, but they are they are a very, very popular band. Uh, our friend Jonathan, who, who lives in Moscow and co-hosted a, a previous podcast, was very interested in the fact that I went because they were great. But the highlight of the, the show was not that for me. They, whatever lead singer of Moist Boys it is, it is this 50-some-year-old dude with short gray hair who came out with his shirt off and looked like he was on every drug. Every drug. I mean, he probably was. He was missing so many teeth. And after three songs, he just pulled out a cigarette and started smoking on stage. Despite the fact that there's no smoking indoors in Chicago. Dude, in, uh, the Moist Boys are going to do what the Moist Boys want to do. He sure did what he wanted to do. Uh, the guitarist, obviously, from Ween was totally sick. So that was awesome. But this lead singer was insane. And about halfway into their, their show, they made it, uh, not the band, but the, the establishment. I saw it at Cubby Bear, which is a bar right across the street. A from very me. popular, famous bar in Chicago. Very, is it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so it's it's literally across the street from Wrigley Field. Uh, so halfway into the show, they made an announcement. Uh, John Smith, or I don't know what the name was. Uh, some guy, uh, your wife is stage left. Please come get her. An ambulance is coming for her right now. So that's the kind of show it was. A lot of metalheads and presumably copious amounts of cocaine. But like I was saying, that wasn't the highlight. The highlight for me was their opener, which is a band called Sealed Casket. Casket with a K and sealed with a C. Sealed casket. Is that a wrestling reference or is that just a, like a a name for a band? It's a name for a band. They're from okay. Madison and they are like a Tenacious D type of band. Oh, and okay. Right on. They, they're so funny. They were so – like I was laughing out loud between every song. They have a song uh, about how he has the power of five dicks in one dick. They, <laughs> that that absolutely sounds like a Tenacious D song. Yeah. They had one called Drink and Drive. Um, there's a song about breaking the rules. The only internet presence I've found outside their Facebook page is they are on the new MySpace, which I, I've said on record before is actually a really cool music streaming service. So uh-huh. actually check it out if you're interested. But Sealed Casket, they were really funny. 
the, he and they, the the lead singer speaks in a terrible British accent and talks about how he's from England, even though he's from Madison. And my brother, my oldest brother, actually knows a guitar player from Rockford who was initially playing with them or something. So he kind of it's like a friend of a friend of a friend kind of thing. But he's speaking in a British accent. After the first song, he's like, "Hello, Chicago." We've changed a lot since the last time we played here. We talk about breaking the rules, but we don't want you to break any rules. We're going to play by the rules tonight. No breaking the rules tonight. And he split the audience into three teams. He's like, all right, let me hear from the red team. Let me hear from the gold team. Let me hear from the brown team. But there's no, like, assignment or any way of actually distinguishing who's on what team. He just kind of yells out who's on what team. And uh, it was just, it was just very silly. It was very silly. And after one song, he said, who here has stomach flu? Who's got stomach flu? And I just thought it was very funny. So that was uh, Friday. Good. Yeah, that, that was Friday. I hopped from there to, my cousin was doing an improv show across the street at midnight. So we went to that afterwards. And then Saturday was the coup de gras. Saturday was the climax. Saturday was T-Box. Do you know what T-Box okay. is? I have absolutely no idea what T-Box is, but I saw tweets all over with hashtag T-Box that day. Yeah. T-Box is the 12 bars of Christmas. It is a very high-profile bar crawl in Chicago. It has been going on for over 10 years. I have no idea how how long it's been going on. I want to say like 10 or 15 at least, but... It's a 12-bar bar crawl? Oh, well, not anymore. It used to be. Now there's like 54 bars or something. So the way it works is you pay... I I actually went for work, which I'll get to, so I didn't have to pay the admission. But the admission essentially is you can buy a wristband and a badge, and you can get into any of these bars starting at 8 a.m. Saturday, after the opening ceremony. The opening ceremony takes place right by Wrigley Field... And it was sponsored by T Box was sponsored by Golden Crisp cereal this year. Apparently, it's a big tradition to have cereal involved in this event as much as possible. It's a really weird tradition. I know. Me. Uh, people were carrying around boxes of cereal everywhere, throwing cereal at each other. Uh, I had Fruit Loops rain on me several times, as well as Golden Crisp. And the opening ceremony, they have some kind of ceremony involving cereal mascots and cereal, and then it's off to the bars. And there were over 50 bars involved. And uh, you pay like 70, like I said, 75 bucks for a wristband. You, you can get in before 8 a.m. You can drink. And it's basically just a bar crawl. It, it was sponsored also by Miller Lite. So it was $3 for uh, one of the big cans, you know, like the 16-ounce cans. Sure. The huge ones. So 3 bucks for 16 ounces of beer, even if it's Miller Lite, is pretty good for Chicago. You know, you can get pretty tanked off 20 bucks with for that, you know. Uh, so people make it an all day affair and, um, I started out kind of slow. I started out at 10 o'clock and went to a couple places. And then a little after noon, one of my friends knew a security guy that got us into a bar and we just kind of went to town and I got destroyed and I met so many nice people, so many nice people that day. It was a lot of fun. You cannot remember a single name. Jory, Jory. I met, I met, I met Jory at Taco Bell. I sat next to Jory at a bar. <laughs> I met Jory at Taco Bell. Uh, no, the, the, here's the thing about it: is everyone dresses up in outrageous clothing, 
like every, like Santa like Santa costumes, Santa type costumes, stuff? sexy Santa costumes, a lot well, of, of sexy co- I mean, costumes. Of of course, yeah. I mean, why elf costumes, pajamas, uh, pajama onesies, red pinstripe suits, anything that you can think of. Uh, I was there with a couple Santa Clauses. I'm trying uh, it's, to think. It's Santa. It's Santa Clay. I mean, people are. It is. People are dressed like reindeer. People are wearing crazy hats, and like people have Christmas sweaters everywhere. Ugly Christmas sweaters, and people string Christmas lights to themselves and walk around with Christmas lights and batteries flashing. And it, it's it's Halloween meets Christmas meets Alcoholics Anonymous. And it sounds pretty good. It was it was so good. You know, and the thing is, so over thirty thousand people participated on Saturday. And I guess it it brought in over a million dollars in revenue before the day even began, is what I was hearing somewhere. So it's a really huge deal. Some of my friends in marketing have told me that you can get a job at T-Box and that your job literally year-round, like you'll have a salary job and it's working for T-Box, which is one day of the year. Wow. Uh, yeah. But it was it was pretty special. I drank until four, ended up at Taco Bell, ate a lot. Went home and napped, woke up, realized it was only officially going on for another couple hours, went back to Cubby Bear, drank a whole bunch more, and uh, and that was all she wrote. And then I went to two parties after that. It was it was a very excessive drinking weekend, but if if you ever like everyone in Chicago gives it a bad rap, right? It's basically Oh, everyone there is super drunk and stupid and annoying, and it's really nasty, and it's, like, a lot of bros. And and I kind of get that. But at the same time, being drunk around noon, I seriously did talk to, like, 20 people, and they were super friendly. And, like, because you're all part of one. It's like going, it was like going to a gaming convention. For alcoholics. For alcoholics. And An sexy alcoholic Santa, convention. And, and sexy Santa Clauses, yeah. Yeah. So... I don't know. So I was at T-Box, and then I went to another party on Sunday night. So I, I, I went to, like, seven parties in, in the span of four days. Seven or eight, essentially. It was a good time. Was was recovery day, was it at least an entire day? No, recovery day was Sunday until... Actually, I didn't drink Sunday night, so I did recovery day Sunday. But I did go to a party Sunday night and just didn't didn't drink. Yeah. That was probably a smart decision. But, uh, but yeah, like, search for hashtag T-Box. It's just T-B-O-X, uh, listener, if you're interested. You'll see a lot of people wearing stickers, too. They hand out stickers. I had a bright pink sticker that said T-Box Virgin because it was my first T-Box, and that was my opener for about every girl I talked to. I would see a girl in a pink stick. One girl I saw on the sidewalk, I see her, and I was like, hey, you're a T-Box Virgin, too. It's your first year. And she goes, we're friends. And I was like, what? And she's like, we're fans. And I was like, I don't know. They're back there. I don't know where I'm going. And she didn't say a word, grabbed my wrist, dragged me across the street to Cubby Bear. <laughs> That's how I ended up at Cubby Bear. Brings me inside. And then she walked away, and I don't know where she went. But then I met two other girls. I took a selfie of me with these two other girls and put it on Foursquare with the caption, I have no idea who these girls are. Uh, yeah, it was, boy... Well done. It, it was sloppy. It was sloppy and and wonderful. But uh, but I I I say don't judge it till you try it. Sloppy and wonderful for everybody though. I mean everybody. It sounds like everybody had a good time. So that's the thing. It's a bunch of people going out to have a really good time. And it's like if you're on the if I mean if you're sober and you walk through, you don't you're gonna 
you're going to hate yourself and everyone Why there. would you walk through sober? Exactly. Why would anybody do that to themselves? So I get that. But if you're in on the fun and all you have to do is just play along and just wear something stupid, go out and drink, I, I, I will not judge those people because if they just want to have fun, who am I to judge? Who are you to judge, John? I'm, I'm who are judge, you? I'm Judgy McJudgerston. Who, no, who, who are you, literally? Judgy McJudgerston. That, is, that was my Christian name. Judgerston or Judgerston? Judgerston. Judgerston, okay. Yeah. Okay, good. So I'm so assuming... That, that, is, that is why I am okay to judge. <laughs> and I'm assuming you had a weekend. Uh, I did. Uh, once again, it was a working weekend, so that was kind of what I did. Um, we did put the crib together. Oh, my God. So that was pretty cool. Um, I so I've been I've been kind of used to buying IKEA furniture like for most of my adult life because it's cheaper than other furniture, and <clears throat> most of the IKEA furniture you buy is like relatively cheap, and it comes in a billion pieces. So like, I've got some cabinets in the kitchen that I bought from IKEA that I, they each took me about an hour and a half to put together because they were so many pieces to put together, but. The the crib that we got is actually a, it's a very nice crib. Um, my mother in law bought it for us, and it came in like five pieces. And it's like a it's a super high quality piece of furniture. It's a big thing. Like cribs are big. I don't know if you knew that. I didn't realize just how big they were, but it's freaking big. And uh, it came in like five big pieces, so it was far easier to put together. Than, I was anticipating like an entire night, and it took my wife and I like an hour put it oh, together well that's that's not bad no it wasn't bad at all so we uh we did that and it was awesome it was kind of fun um so that was kind of our date night and it was also our two-year anniversary too so it was kind of like our our anniversary activity together um and then we got a 3d ultrasound of our baby and i you know i'm I've got my ear to the ground in terms of technology as it relates to the hobbies that we're interested in as it relates to pharmacy, right? Because those are my two big interests. Right, yeah. you got to stay on top of the industry trends. Right, but I have no idea how technology is advancing in other fields. So I don't know if you've heard about 3D ultrasounds, but it is one of the most incredible things I have ever seen, honestly. Um, it's like a – so apparently what they did – my wife went alone and sent me the pictures but because um, I was at work – but they they took her in and they did like a normal ultrasound and it did was like the normal pictures and everything. And then they like went over it with a layer of computer magic, Disney, Pixar, whatever. Um, and the you basically see the baby's face like as if it were outside of the womb. It is incredible. Um, so we basically got to see a picture of our little guy, and it was really freaking awesome. Wow. Um, I didn't yeah. realize Disney and Pixar had a ultrasound division. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And you wouldn't because it's not like you're it's not like you're keeping your ear to the to the ground on the pulse of uh Disney Pixar ultrasound technology. But uh yeah, it's pretty cool stuff. Uh that does sound cool. Now I noticed you said the baby's face. So you're not at the point where you're calling the baby by its name? Oh no, we call it by its name. But I don't Oh you don't we, yeah, let's not do that. Yeah, I'm not, yeah, I understand. I understand. Yeah, we we I, call we call him by his name all the time. Some people 
think that's weird to do before it's born. Some people clearly don't. I, I mean, I, I don't think it's weird. I, some people, maybe it's like a superstition. Um, I don't know. I, I mean, it. We're attached enough to the. I mean, at I mean, this you, point, you got it. It's a busy we are thing. attached to to us. It is our baby. Yeah, so it's like, a thing. Right, we are attached enough to it that like, no matter what happens to it at this point, he's kind of our our little guy. So, um. I don't know. I guess, I mean, when you name, like, when you name something, it kind of signifies an, an attachment, right? So, yeah. yeah, but I mean, that's, I don't know. I, it, yeah, he's named. He's ours. Well, uh, but anyway, that was, that was really cool. Um, and so yeah. that was kind of, that was kind of my weekend. And then the rest was work because some weekends I have to work. See, and this is exactly what I talk about every episode is, yeah, I had a big weekend, but you had a 3D baby face ultrasound with Disney Pixar. So it's yeah, like, I, what? Get what, how? I kind of knew. I kind of knew I was going to beat you. I hate that. you I, so not, much. Not, I'm not going to lie. I kind of knew that. So. I was I was essentially drunk for 72 hours straight. And, and to be honest, that it kind of sounds fun. It's not like I'm ever going to kind of have that in my life ever again. So yeah, a little jealous of that. Well, okay. Well, someday I'll be you. I will literally be you. I'm going to body snatch you, and I will have a baby. Body slam me? Yeah, I'll body slam you. Steel cage match me? Speaking of steel cage match you, that brings us to our next segment. Oh, no. What have I done? It was a seamless transition, actually. What did I do? Into the world? There's a a segment that deals with wrestling? No, there's not even a little bit. Not even a little bit. Well, I was... uh, the next segment is what has our listener been playing, and uh, our listener, maybe our listener was playing a wrestling game, huh? Were they? Nope. So that's too bad. But so we my did. Se- my segue actually wasn't nearly as good as you say. Well, but it was because I called out that it was a good segue. And oh, got it. Right. When I set, see, I set the frame there. It my reality becomes the listener's reality because right now the listener has us in in the listener's ears, right? And if you think about Star Trek II The Wrath of Khan, the creature, in order to mind control Chekhov, is inserted into what orifice of his body? The ear. You were close. You were close, but uh, but no, it was the ear. I don't know what the word orifice means. Okay, so... Uh, hold on, I'm writing down that you're swearing already. You're not really, but I, I'm not... Uh, yeah. or, orifice is a pretty naughty word. Orifice is a pretty naughty word, let's face it. So, listener, we asked you on Friday what you were going to play this weekend. Justin said he's going to play more of The Last of Us. Click, click. Now, that those two clicks I just said were not me clicking my mouse. That was Justin saying click, click, because there's clickers in that game, which, John, you would know about if you would actually, um, I don't know, play that game and stop being dumb and not playing it. Just food for thought. I'm sorry, what game? Let's see. Uh, our other listener, Jonathan, has been playing Pokemon Y and Super Smash Bros. Melee. Which is not Brawl. I think the people that uh, that got... Like, so Pokemon is, is cool to me, but there there's a subculture of people where it is like their jam, right? I mean, it's like, it's like I'm going to build multiple teams, I'm going to breed multiple teams of Pokemon and make sure that my EV values are up on all of them. EV, EV is my favorite Pokemon, for the record. You have no idea what I just said, I don't think. Nope. Um, so like, there's a, like, there's a, the fandom is strong with Pokemon. It's pretty awesome. 
How and, strong it still is. And you're saying with Smash Brothers, it's or were you just talking about Pokemon? I was just talking about Pokemon because we've seen we've seen the same listeners say that they've been playing Pokemon since it came out, and that I mean that's two that's two months in the same game. How long has it been since you've spent two months playing the same game when you're playing when you're playing it like every day? Dissidia Final Fantasy. That was forever ago. It was for it was a while back, yes, but yeah. but I played that game every day for probably four or five months. Sure, and that's that's my point is that like that same kind of fandom exists for Pokemon. It's pretty awesome. Very cool. And I, I thought you were going to say something about Smash Brothers Melee. I'm going to say some. I'm going to come back to that uh, in a second because that that's that that actually legitimately segues into what I wanted to something else I wanted to talk about. Uh, Nora says that I will be playing dot dot dot. Suspense build. I'm building the suspense verbally. Wind Waker in all caps. I'm guessing she oh, means... Oh, thank God. I was so tense there. I know you that. you told me. Well, that's... Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm guessing... I need, get, I need to get that as soon as I get my Wii U. Yeah, you do. I'm guess, do. I'm guessing she means Wind Waker HD since it's the newer one. But either way, it's a good choice. It's a good thing. And, uh-huh. and Christopher is going to finish up his first season of franchise mode in Madden 06... And continue fighting through the controls of Skyward Sword. No one else seems to have my issue. So that's interesting. Yeah, you you never said you had any problems with the controls of that game. Um, I I thought there was a minor learning curve. Like it it was intuitive, but you had to just get used to. I think what the main thing was is it. So the Wii Motion Plus controller is a one to one response, right? And that yep. makes sense. But if you point the remote far off the screen, then it stops registering. And I think what would happen to me anyway a lot of times is I would like do a sword swing, but I would I, my wrist would get a little carried away and my wrist would go like a full 90 degree snap. So it was pointing completely away from the TV and then it loses the Wii Motion Plus kind of reception and it, it you kind of have to like make sure it's it's within a certain realm. I'm totally talking out of my ass. I could be completely wrong about this. Uh, I thought, again, it was very easy to use once I got like an hour or two into the game. I just noticed a couple movements were were maybe confusing the Wii a little bit. But maybe that's it. I don't know. Maybe try and control your movements. If you're playing Madden 06, then maybe you're maybe he's like a like a strong, like athletic dude and he's like, Flicking around he's, the Wii and remote. he's smashing the Wii remote on the desk. Play, right? Play. It's it's not working. Yeah, because only huge jocks play Madden games. We all know that. That's science. It is science. It's not true. Madden 06, That's kind of funny. To it's me, kind of a. I, th- I think that's kind of an old one to be still playing, but it is what it is, right? Well, I think it's an old one because 06, I think generally refers to the year. So like, we're, oh, like, what if it was the sixth Madden? Well, no, In because... the year of our Lord, 1906. <laughs> I can't. I can't. I was so, I was so just... I did... So before we go any further, I did I did forget to... I did fail to mention one one other thing. Oh, well, thank God. John uh, forgot to mention one more thing and remembered it. Yeah, we, we also picked out... So I was given the option of a few different video game-related things to put in the nursery... Um, and so my wife sent me a list of like seven things that I could pick from. And so I got to pick like the one thing that's going to be hanging in the nursery. And I picked like a very, it's a very tasteful wooden framed Mario star. 
So it's oh. like an, it's it's like etched out in black and white, like a large a large frame on the wall. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, um. But she sent me options that I never would have thought that my wife would have allowed in the nursery of of our baby. Um, like the the one that I could have picked that I didn't because I didn't think it would make a lot of sense to the average Joe coming in to the nursery was a small uh like collage type thing of all of the characters of Final Fantasy Six. Uh in like a knit in like a knitted thing. And while that would be really cool for like my man cave, right? Um I just as far as the nursery goes, I thought I would pick something, you know, a little more tasteful. So uh we went with the the wooden framed Mario Star, which I think is is pretty awesome in itself. Oh that's that's super cool. Yeah, that was the thing I failed to mention. I thought that was worth mentioning. So, so. Wh- why didn't you go with the uh, with the giant poster of the liquor from Resident Evil Two? You know what's really funny is she sent me a Resident Evil one. It what? was yeah, it, only it wasn't like it wasn't like a scary, horrible artwork one. It was another little like crocheted one with little icons of various items that are used in the Resident Evil series. So there was like a green herb. There was. Um, the umbrella symbol. Um, so, but they were, they're like small and cute, not in a way that looks scary, but yeah, that was also picked. Hell, our first date was Resident Evil two, man. Wait, really? Yeah. Are you serious? Yeah. That, that was, was our m- first, that was our first date. That was my first date with you too. What? Oh, so speaking of smash brothers melee, Hey, that was mentioned earlier. I downloaded project M the other day. Do you know what that is? Uh, I do. It's a Smash Brothers mod for Brawl that makes Brawl more like Melee? Yep, that's correct. Okay. I have not played with it much. I, I barely played it at all because I played like two matches, then realized that I actually like Brawl better than Melee. So, kind of sad because... Oh, kind of awkward. Yeah, yeah, because I'm jumping around and I'm trying to grab items in midair and then... In Melee, you could do that with the Z button, which we all know is the most useful button in the controller, right? The Z button, right? Right, right. right. So you could do it with the Z button, but not. But that that was the only way to do it. And in Brawl, they changed it so you can. So any, you know, when you hit the A button to pick up an item, you can do that in midair, and that accomplishes that too. Stuff like that, um, characters being less floaty, as you could call it, a little higher gravity. I noticed those, played a couple matches, and I was like, well, I'm good on this for a while. Which is which is kind of sad because they did add some content. They added a few of the stages from the original Super Smash Brothers, like Hyrule Castle and Saffron City, the Pokemon level. That's pretty cool. Yeah, and they added one or two levels, I think, from uh, Smash Brothers Melee that, that didn't make it to Brawl. I, th- I think, but don't quote me on that, even though we're doing a podcast. And they also added Roy and Mewtwo as playable characters. That's pretty impressive to add characters to an existing game as just a like a a fan made stuff. That's yeah, absolutely, cool. absolutely. I mean, even even knowing that their character models would be based on Martha and Lucario, like Lucario, Lu- that guy, the blue one. Uh, even knowing that, I think that's that's pretty cool. I would have liked to see Doctor Mario. Although, oh, you know what? Doctor Mario might be in it. I need to double check. 
I don't think he is. But uh, so it's, it's kind of lame because like, oh, well, I can't play these extra, you know, throwback stages if I want to like true brawl experience now. But it's cool. I had to play around with it a little bit more, but they made it because like that's why I thought you were going to be talking about Smash Brothers when you talked about the how Pokemon is some people's cup of tea because in the Smash Brothers community, the people that are still insanely obsessed with it and like play it all the time generally are melee players because melee was a competitive game that's played in tournaments and things like that with a, a crazy meta game and all this other stuff. And Brawl is is very widely considered in the competitive gaming community to be a non-competitive or like amateur game that you can't really like play competitively because there are inherent uh issues with the game that make it unbalanced such as tripping for example you remember tripping uh no so so in your in brawl your character can randomly literally trip and fall just randomly okay like i'm i'm fighting you i dash towards you to do an attack and suddenly i literally like bowser literally trips and falls okay so what's wrong with that? It unbalances the game because it's completely random. Okay. Competitive so, so gamers... So Fox only. Com- <laughs> competitive gamers do not like random elements, okay? They like a perfectly balanced game with no variables, which is why you end up with Fox only, no items, final destination all the I time. Mean, yeah, that's that's true. I mean, that's, I, that's why I play League of Legends and there's nothing random in, in anything there. Everything is balanced on purpose the way that it is. Right, exactly. I mean, in the Melee fighting game community, they have, like, what, 30-some stages in Melee, and I think four or five are tournament legal, like, because the other ones have too many random elements. Really? Oh, yeah. No, you can can only play Final Destination, Battlefield, uh, for the tournaments I've been to for Brawl, those two, plus uh, Smashville or whatever that city is from Animal Crossing... And I think Delfino Plaza, and there might be one more, but I, I don't even remember. And that, that's it. Oh, right on. Okay. Yeah, really fun. Really fun. So I guess maybe my thing is that I just never considered Smash Brothers to be a competitive game of kind of any kind. It, I mean, it was just kind of fun. Don't I? Aren't there a lot of other far better tuned fighting games to kind of get your rocks off if you're in that community? Yeah, but they don't use Nintendo characters. Yeah, that's true. So, I don't know. I um but I did get Project M. If you want to look for it, listener, just Google Project M Smash Brothers. Uh it'll be the top result and you can download it. All you need is an SD card which is 2 gigabytes or fewer. You only need a few hundred megabytes actually. But make sure it's an SD card and not an, a high capacity SD card. The Wii has issues reading those when you're playing mods, so generally SD cards that are over 2 gigabytes will, will be called SDHC, or super, or high-capacity SD cards, and those are no good for the Wii. So if, you've, if you'll, you might have to specifically buy a smaller one for the Wii to access, and this goes for most Wii mods and things like that. But you don't have to mod your system or anything. You literally just put the software on the system like the tutorial says, uh, on the card like the tutorial says, run Smash Brothers, go to the stage builder section, it runs some script, and then launches the game. It's super easy. Very easy to get to work. Very cool. Yeah. So, there's that. And, uh, yeah. So, before we launch into our games for the week, I was gonna say, 
Next week, we should do a year-end review, don't you think? I think that'd be fair, absolutely. Okay, so next week we'll do our year-end review. And, uh... And pick a game of the year. And pick a ga- do we have to pick game a game of the year? Game of the decade. Do we have to pick we a game of the... We should make a top ten list. Should, should it be a t- You want to do top ten next week? We should do a top ten list. Okay, so you why, can... You why can do, not? Yeah, all right, you do ten through six, and I'll do uh, five through one. That's not really kind of what I meant. What did you mean? I meant we kind of each do a top ten list. Okay, so you can do ten, eight, six, four, and two, and I'll do nine, seven, five, three, and one. Yeah, right. That sounds great. So, uh, top. I mean, ten. I, uh, did I fine. Pl- top five. We'll so do top five. Is it top five games that right. we've played, or top five games that we? Top five movies we've seen. Okay. What the hell do you think? I mean, no. Does it have to be games that came out in 2013? Or just games that we played in 2013. I we're not a review site. I think just games we played. Okay. Because how? Well, I, I. For instance, my my game of the year might be Metroid, the original on Nintendo. Did you play that this year? No, but had I, it might be my game of the year. Well, you've got a week. I kind of do. You kind of do. It's a it's a pretty good game. Metroid. Yeah, it's good. How is it good? You go left when you start the game. That does circumvent your expectations. What? It circumvents your expectations. So anyway, let's do that next week. That sounds good. All right, that sounds good. Um, great. Anything uh, crazy happened in the video game world this week, or no, not really? Steam Steam machines got shipped. That's kind of neat. Literally, so that... literally, no one cares. I care. I I was really hoping that I would be picked to be in part of that in that beta. So uh, anyway, Steam machines got shipped, and they're super powerful uh and they were just given to people because that's what valve does when they're like beta beta in stuff so um whatever i'm alpha so that happened it did all right well that is that is the worst update i think you've ever given well, I don't think a lot of... There's not a lot of stuff happening well, right now. Well, Nintendo announced Cranky Kong's gonna be in a video game. Well, you just changed they did, my... They <laughs> didn't, though. Did you see VGX? No. All right, me neither. Let's not talk about it. So anyway, what'd you play this weekend? Uh, I started playing a game that is super duper surprised me in terms of how good it is. It's called Ghost Trick. Have you heard of this? Ghost Trick? Yeah. So this was a game that was made in 2010 for the Nintendo DS. Uh, And I'm not playing it on the DS. I'm playing it on the iPad. So I read Twitter a couple times a day, um, 45. And uh, Ghost Trick, which on the iPad has a pay structure where you can – it's split up into chapters and you can buy chapters like one through four for five bucks, uh, five through nine for five bucks, et cetera. And it's, it's 20 bucks for the whole game. There was some sort of flash sale going on one day, and the entire game was $1 on the iPad. Good. And so I was like, well, I've heard that this is a good game. Um, It was just completely off my radar until it showed up in tweets. So I was like, I've got to get it. So I got it, and I started playing it. Um, And again, it was a 2010 DS game. It had a lot of buzz when it came out, Um, but... Uh, I don't think it ever made any waves in any large mainstream areas, but it was generally accepted to be a very good game. Um, so, I, like, I had heard about it, and that was another reason why I decided to get it. So, I started playing it, and it's a, it's a, it's published by Capcom, and 
I don't know if it's the same team as Phoenix Wright, but it sure feels like the same team as Phoenix Wright. You've played the Phoenix Wright games? I've I've like I've seen them and I I've read them. Like I've read the writing in them and kind of know their tone. And this game has a very similar tone okay. to those games. Okay. So it's um it's I guess it's best described as like an adventure game. Uh, but it's just got this really cool premise. So you're this this character uh, who you don't you don't know the name of when you first appear to the player, but you find out immediately that your character is dead, <laughs> and he can't remember anything when the game first starts. Uh, but you just see his dead body, and the very first thing that happens in this game is you see a woman come up and investigate your dead body and an assassin comes and shoot her point blank with a gun. So I like start this game and it's got these cartoony graphics and it's got these like really, really dumb character styles that are like outrageously like over the top, you know, like your main character's hairstyle is so dumb. Uh, but in like a funny cartoon way. And then the first thing that happens is like this chick gets shot in and there's no gore, but the assassin just comes up to her and point blank with a shotgun (laughs) and she crumples over dead. And I'm like, Whoa, this is way darker than I anticipated. Like kind of crazy. Um, so that's the very first thing that happens. And you're approached by a desk lamp, uh, that is inhabited by another spirit, and the the desk lamp tells you that you're a ghost with super, basically a ghost with superpowers. Um, can, can we just go back to that sentence? The desk lamp tells you that you're a ghost with superpowers. Yeah. And... Like I said, the game's really goofy. <laughs> yeah. But it's also very dark. So, um, you find out that you have the power to like inhabit inanimate objects and there's a bunch of like rules to to your uh to this power so like you can inhabit uh like dead people and and when and we're talking about like freshly dead people like these are people throughout the game that are dying in the scene with you it's just it's it boggles my mind how like dark some of the concepts this game are by anyway um so you can inhabit like dead people and you talk to them, like you talk to them and they immediately recognize that they're dead, but nobody seems to have a problem with it at all when they find out that they're dead. What? Yeah. It's kind of funny. They're just like, like sometimes they're just like, Oh, I'm, I'm a little sad. Cause you know, like I was going to, I was going to have a really good dinner tonight. Uh, but you know, I guess it's okay. Um, but but that's like that's one of the rules and the other like the other thing is that you can inhabit other inanimate objects and you can you can the reason it's called ghost trick is because the ghost aspect is you inhabiting these things and then for a majority of the items that you inhabit you can use a trick and the trick manipulates the item in the real world in some way so for instance in the very first chapter when you uh are like moving around once you realize that you're dead and can inhabit other stuff you like in order to move across the level because you can only you only have a very short distance in which you can jump from item to item you inhabit like a folded ladder 
and you use the trick to unfold the ladder and it makes it very long and you travel with the ladder as it unfolds and that allows you then to move on to another object. So there's this really cool like world manipulation aspect of this because it's and that's what makes it kind of like a puzzle game. Um, but you also have the power to go back four minutes before somebody dies to save them and like change their fate. So the game is really about going back four minutes when you see people die to change their fate in some way. And in order to do that, you'll be manipulating the environment with these ghost tricks. And, uh, hey, that's the name of the game. Um, <laughs> I see what you did there. I see what they did there. And the, there's there's also some, like, timing aspects. So, like, there's this really – that's also kind of a really cool thing because very early the way they introduce this to you is they have you need to move a flag up a flagpole. And so you have to – you have to turn on a blender and then while the blender is on, move the the rope for the flag to pull it up into the blender. And then before the flag goes all the way up the flagpole, without you on it, you have to then pause real quick and jump to the flag to go up to the flagpole. So there's some timing aspects too that are only getting more complicated as I'm, as I'm playing the game. <laughs> um, but the story is just this really quirky fun but incredibly dark story like i've i've already seen four or five people die in front of me that i've had to save um here's a good example of how dark it gets in the in the second chapter you have to save a dog that gets shot point blank with a shotgun (laughs) so you can travel through phone lines because ghosts can do that. Yeah. This game is this game is so weird. Uh, you travel through phone lines, and you travel to you travel to the house of somebody important in the game. And there's a little girl in this house, and the the little girl is gonna die too. But the the dog gets shot in the face with a shotgun because it's barking at the in, the intruding assassin. And so you inhabit the dog. To talk to the dead dog. And the dog... The dog sounds like a regular dog. So, like, he talks like a human. But he sounds like... You would expect a dog to sound. Like... Like Scooby-Doo? No. No, like, you're t- like you're talking to the dog. And, and you're like, why are you barking all the time? And the dog's like, I don't know! I just get so excited when somebody comes to the door. I just have to say... And then it just says in really big font, like, Welcome! And it's just... And the dog is like got this stupid large smile on his face, and he's yipping. It's just it's cute and adorable and dark and fun, and it's got this emergent story now where like um, nothing is clear at all, and you're just kind of piecing together who you are and what happened and who these people are that like found you dead, and all the while it's like this it's this puzzle game where you're moving around. Like I had to solve one of the puzzles by making a donut roll up a donut cart because for some reason, this girl just had this huge bowl of donuts that she was going to eat. <laughs> bowl so of I, donuts. Uh, but yeah. She's like, I think I'm going to have donuts for dinner. That, that was like one of the things she said. So she just goes and gets this bowl of donuts on a cart. And I had to roll the donut off of the bowl to get a mouse to come out. To start eating the donut, who I then, 
I then opened a cabinet door to shove the mouse underneath the sofa, <laughs> and the dog chased the mouse under the sofa, which then led the little girl to get under the sofa. So, and the other cool thing is, <laughs> I have no idea if there are multiple ways to solve these puzzles. I think there are. Because, you know, there's, you'll get to like a, pu- a puzzle scenario, and there's like 15 to 20 things, 15 to 20 objects to manipulate. Right. And I... I used maybe six to solve that particular puzzle, but there were all these other objects too. So I have to imagine that either they are, there are a lot of red herrings to each one of these puzzles, or there are multiple ways to solve these, these various puzzles, which would be really cool. Yeah. That's but pretty I, awesome. Yeah. But I have no idea because it's, I'm not reading a fact. This is the type of game where like, you don't want to read a fact at all. Cause you don't, it's all about kind of the discovery of, the puzzles and at any point when you get to one of these puzzles where somebody dies and you're going back in time to save them you can rewind to the start of that particular puzzle and at various points throughout these puzzles they there are fate changes that don't necessarily they don't necessarily they're not the point at which you have saved the person's life but they act as a checkpoint in the game so for instance in that puzzle with the girl who needed to hide under the sofa at the very start of that, she puts on some headphones and is listening to music. So kind of no matter what you do, you can't get her attention until you find a way to have her not put on the headphones. So once you get to the point in that puzzle where she, you get her to not put on the headphones, it changes her fate. And if you need to rewind, you can then rewind to that point. So it doesn't force you to go all the way back. Because some of the puzzles do take a while. Um, it's not four minutes of real time. It's like four minutes of game time, which can in fact be longer than that. Hmm. So you wouldn't want to be rewinding all the way to the beginning of that every time because there are kind of one shot moments sometimes where you have to do something at exactly the right time and you have one shot to do it. And if you don't, you, you, you've, you've lost, you've automatically lost and you have to rewind. So, um, they've done a good thing and at least having some checkpoints in there. Um, but I'm super digging it. Uh, way more than I, I just like I said, this game was completely off my radar until it came. It showed up in these tweets, and I was like, "Oh, Ghost Trick! I've heard of that game." Uh, and I, I remember I heard it was good. Um, so yeah, and it translates. Here's the other thing I've realized: if a game was made for the DS or 3DS, it translates absolutely perfectly to an iPad. Or any other touch device. Yeah, that makes sense. If the developer takes just a little bit of time, because obviously it's a it's a two screen thing when it's on one of these other systems. But if the if the publisher takes any amount of time and any care in porting it to the iPad, it is a beautiful experience. Because this works absolutely perfectly with your finger. Absolutely perfectly. Like you're mo- you're inhabiting various things super quickly by just dragging your ghost spirit around in these figures and it it's it's perfect. It's really good. So who, um, who was putting on the sale? Was it a iTunes store sale? It was probably Capcom. Okay. Well, because you said you're, I don't know how like, I mean, I'm aware of Humble Indie Bundle and Steam sales, but some of these other digital download things, I don't know where the sales come from. The only way I found out about it was through Twitter. It was like, hey, guess what? I Ghost Trick is the entire game of Ghost Trick is on sale for a dollar. Um. So yeah. Uh, if honest to God, this 
this game's it's really good. Like it's really really good. <laughs> and if you can find it like used on the DS, you could probably find it for 10-15 bucks, I would think. I seriously you should get it or you can play the first chapter for free on the iPad. They you know, they do that thing where you can download the first chapter and then you can unlock it in in books of chapters. Do that at least play the first chapter and see if you kind of get hooked like I have. Um cuz it is it's a puzzle game and I it's a puzzle game and an adventure game. And I like both of those genres, but it's such a unique premise. Um and it's just got this really dark sense of humor that I really appreciate. Was... And I don't know if every Oh, I don't it... know if everybody can appreciate that, but I really do. And what's the art style like? Like, how are these graphics presented? Um, there are um, so there are 3D polygonal models that are very colorful. It's a very colorful game. And then when people are talking, there's an anime style 2D drawing that kind of pops up. Um, and then in of the entire character, so like full body character, kind of like Phoenix Wright. Mm-hmm. Um, and then to show various emotions, there are various drawings of these characters. Okay. Except for the dog. The dog always has a really stupid grin on its face <laughs> because <laughs> it's a dog and it's excited about everything. So this is your number two game of the year? It's really good. Okay. I, I am absolutely going to finish this game. Because the story is super interesting, and it's just every every puzzle is so different and kind of so fun, um, and it's it's so funny. It's just so wacky. Uh, yeah, it's really it's really good. And I'm guessing it's, the puzzles are somewhat challenging because you hate easy games. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it like chapter chapter two took me like fifteen twenty minutes to get through the whole thing. Um, which is it's like a I think the game is sixteen or seventeen chapters. Oh yeah, that's not bad. That's pretty good. Yeah, yeah, and um, that was one of the earlier chapters. I imagine that it's probably going to get more difficult later. You know, I would imagine. I would hope so. so. Yeah. So I've been. Uh, I'm. I'm really impressed, and I. Uh, it's, it's. I love when games surprise me with their quality, um, and maybe I shouldn't have been surprised because. It's, you know, Capcom, I guess they have had some misses recently, but in general, they are a quality publisher. Yeah. So I guess maybe I shouldn't have been too surprised, but just for a game that I 100% forgot about and never would have remembered that it even existed unless I saw a tweet about it, super happy that I discovered it. It's like a little diamond in the rough. It's really, really cool. Sweet, yo. I'm glad you enjoyed it. I will think about it. Ghost Trick. Yeah, I mean, for you because you don't have an iPad, it I think the iPad is is by far the easiest way to consume it at this point. But if you have access like easy access to a used game store, uh, or you know, or if or if you really like your DS or your 3DS and that you like to carry those around and play that, then that is the way you should go about playing it. I but really if you, like my 3DS. Right, but if you have an iPad, it's honestly the easiest way to do it because it's just a really quick download. Um, and you can play the first chapter for free, which you can't do on the DS, obviously. Right, no, but I really like my 3DS. That's good, you should. Yeah. But really, I really like my 3DS. Have you, have you used all the holes on it yet? Speaking of holes on it, I was actually going to talk about the 3DS for our podcast today. That's incredible. I, like, gave you a segue. 
You gave me a perfect transition. Transition. Best transition. Great. So that was a good transition. And what I did is I'm well. What I'm gonna do right now? I'm actually gonna review five 3DS games. My God, I've got to go to bed soon. How are we gonna do this? Because they're short reviews. So allow okay. me to open up my 3DS so I remember what they are. There's the clicks. Do you hear that? Mm-hmm. You hear those clicks? Pretty impressive, huh? It sounded super clicky. I lied. Six 3DS games. You have an XL, right? I do. Yeah, those uh, the XL's so good. It is. Is that what you have? Yeah. Cool. Great. So um, I, I want to talk about Nintendo Street Pass games. Do you have any Street Pass games? I do. I have the that original free one that's like a role-playing game. I can't remember what it's called. Uh, um, oh, um... Find me. Find me. Yeah. Yep. And so you... I have that. I have that one, and I did play around with it um, a little bit when I first had my 3ds because I was able to get more street passes at that point. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, that that's the only one that I ever played though. And you bought that one, right? No, that one was free. That was with it. Yeah. Okay. And I think Find Me Two you have to buy. Yeah, that's it. And you have Puzzle Swap as well. I'm guessing, right? Oh yeah, that one I have too. Okay, so f- listener, if you don't own a 3DS, here's how, h- kind of how the Street Pass system works. Well, uh, that's simple. That's simple to explain. Anytime your 3DS, ex- anytime your 3DS is asleep and you're walking around with it, and by asleep I just mean you just close it. It's turned on. All you do is close it, and that's asleep. While it's asleep, it's busy, like Santa's elves in the background doing lots of things. Right? Ooh, Christmas uh, Christmas reference. Very good. Uh, thank you. Uh, like, if you have it on at home, it'll connect to your Wi-Fi and download games if you select that option to let it download games for you. So it'll, like, download demos for me randomly based on games I've played. Uh, kind of like the PlayStation 4 supposedly is going to do. Which, you remember that announcement? It's We talked about this in the PlayStation it's thinking. 4 reveal it's not but we talked about it during the playstation 4 reveal and talking about how it's cool because you can be sitting around and if you opt in then while you're sleeping and while the game is kind of dormant it'll download a four gigabyte game and then you can play the demo yeah it's like we see you we see you downloaded backdoor sluts 4 we went ahead and downloaded the first 10 minutes of backdoor sluts 5 right exactly because we think you'll like it and the Wii U has this option as well as the 3DS. I don't know if Nintendo came up with it first. I'm guessing they did because they come up with a lot of things first. But it'll download things for you. Uh, if you walk by somebody else whose system is asleep, then you'll trade Mies. So that's the street pass. You get Mies that way. I've gotten over 40 Mies that way. It's easy for me because I live in a big city and I take public transit. So that's good. But how does it know... When to go into Wi-Fi mode, when to go into Street Pass mode, how does that work? And that is based on uh, steps. It actually measures your steps. There's a built-in pedometer, essentially, with the system. I'm, I'm sure it's probably horribly inaccurate. Like, right now, my number says 4,300 steps. I don't know if that's today or lifetime, but I, I'm sure it's wrong either way. I don't know why I'm sure it's wrong either way, but let's just say it is. So, it, it measures your steps, and while you're walking, generally... For me, when I look at it, it turns on Street Pass. And the more steps you take, the more play coins you get. 
And a play coin is like a credit that you can use in the Street Pass Me Plaza, and you can use those play coins towards games. Now, Nintendo has, of course, like any good gaming company, monetized this. So you can also buy these play coins. I feel absolutely no need to ever do that ever because I walk around with my 3DS XL constantly. But yeah, if you get them, if you get them while walking, just walk. It gives you an incentive to walk. Exactly. And that's good for you. Exactly. It's good for you. So there's no way in hell I will ever buy a play coin for any reason. That's stupid. Play coins are also integrated into some of their major titles. It was act- play coins are actually a part of a link between worlds. Did you know that? No. Near the end of the game, so you know how in all the Zelda games there's a fortune teller that you can go to and they'll tell you where to go next? Right. Well, when I got lost trying to find the Titan's Mitt, which we talked about, I went to the fortune teller and they gave me a fortune teller goggles. And if you wear these goggles, then at various places in the game you'll find ghosts sitting outside of dungeons or sitting near heart pieces that you can see but can't access. And you can talk to the ghosts and give them a play coin to give you a hint on how to acquire that item or enter that palace or or things like that. So they've built the play coins into the game. I spent like five or six trying to figure out where the Titan's Mitt was. Uh, Again, listen to our previous podcast if you want to know where where it is. Spoiler alert, it's in a dungeon. Uh, But you can use those that way. So Nintendo's done a good job of integrating it into games. And these play coins really come in handy specifically with the Mi games, because there's there's two components to these. There are four games I'm really going to primarily talk about. There's Mi Force, Flower Town, Warrior's Way, and Monster Manor, which I all got together as part of a package. They have a sale. I want to say it was it's like 5 bucks a game, or it's 15 for all four, or something like that. Uh, I'm not sure how long the sale is, or if it's just like a... I don't know what the deal is with that. But... Uh, with these games, when you street pass, basically, when you street pass with up to 10 people, you can store up to 10 street passes at a time. Let's say you get like four or five street passes. Then you, you enter that game and you've got four or five characters you can use. And then when those characters are done, you're done. And to continue playing the game, you have to either street pass more people or spend play coins which is where the model kind of really like kicks in for the play because if you are obsessed with one of the games and you just want to play it nonstop, you could hypothetically just spend like hundreds of play coins and buy a bunch of play coins and spend that money to play these games. So these games come with kind of a caveat. I love Street Pass. I think it's the coolest thing ever. I love the social aspect of Nintendo gaming. So when I got these games, I thought to myself, well, of course, I'm going to Street Pass all the time in Chicago and when I'm doing that, that'll afford me the opportunity to do this. If you're not a big 3DS gamer and you don't carry yours around a lot and you don't think you'd be street passing a lot, then maybe these games aren't for you because, again, you'll have to spend more play coins and you'll find them a bit limiting. You may play them once or twice, but then in order to play a third time, well, you got to spend play coins or street pass someone and that could maybe get a little hairy. But I think. But even if you're just, I mean, even if you're just walking around, you're getting play coins that you can spend. Yeah. So you don't necessarily have to interact with other 3ds's. You just need to carry it around. That's it's yeah yeah that's true that's true to clarify. Um, I mean, I would highly recommend. Well, you'll find out what I'll highly recommend. But I, I mean, there are good games. These are good games. Uh, um, but yeah, keep in mind that you essentially have to have your 3ds on you 
at some point when you're moving, ideally, in order to do this. And again, this is an unqualified gamers podcast, so I don't 100% know what I'm talking about, but I'm pretty sure that's how the system works, the way it was explained to me by cute characters given to me by Nintendo. Cool? Cool. So I'll go through these four games. There are um, some strengths, certainly, to each of them, but I was really on the fence. Because Mii Force seemed cool to me. Mii Force is a space game. Uh, it's a space shooter game, actually. It's like a Gradius, you know, like a, just a horizontal shooter, like Gradius or Silver Surfer, if you want to use a terrible analogy. Um, Mii Force I really wanted. Flower Town, you plant flowers, you create a garden. Didn't really care if I got that one or not. So, okay. Warrior's Way... Uh, you kind of put together armies to try and conquer other worlds using troops that you get from other people or from spending your play coins. That seemed pretty cool. I wanted that. And then Monster Manor, I I automatically dismissed because I know Luigi's Mansion is kind of a love-it-or-hate-it it for a lot of people. I've heard from a lot of people it's really good, but then I, for some reason I never like really tried it, and I feel like I wouldn't like it, even if I probably would. Have you ever played Luigi's Mansion? No. Yeah, me neither. So, for some reason, I thought I, I thought I wouldn't like Monster Manor. But I'm looking at this deal, and it's a one-time-only deal. Nintendo says straight up, they're like, or you could pay 15 for all three, or all four of these games, but if you buy just one game, then this offer goes away forever. So, it's like, okay, they get, they got me. So, I got all four games, and I'm glad they did because they do different things. So, Me Force, I'll start with Me Force. Me Force is my favorite of all these games, I think. It's super fun. The music is very like sci fi, spaceship ish. It's, it's kind of very hokey. You're part of the Me Force, which reminds me of Power Rangers. You enter this game with you and up to 10 Me's you've found, and. They put you in basically a Gradius-type level. Again, it's you're just a spaceship. You move up and down and left and right. But it's a, a horizontally scrolling and occasionally vertically scrolling shooter. There are three directions that you can fire your weapons, right? There's forward, slightly up, slightly down, and then backwards. You start out with one me. So your me launches. You've got that. Your ship shoots forward. It's great. Then, you know, you're fighting bad guys. You shoot some things. Well, then you shoot a bad guy and another me pops out because you all got deployed to the planet at the same time, but not at the, in the exact same place. So you go for a couple seconds and then you shoot a bad guy and then, oh, a me pops out. Okay, cool. You join my force. You can use the touchscreen and you assign where you want to put it. You can either put it in a different direction so that your ship is shooting in multiple directions, or you can put it in a slot behind your main guy, which powers up that direction. And you can do that and have up to three Mii's in one single direction. So if you've got a laser just shooting forward and you just want to shoot in one direction, just power it up and then you've got like a triple powered forward shooting thing. And then as you progress through the level, you rescue more and more Mii's. So if you street pass like eight Mii's and then get them all, then by the end of the level, you're super, super powerful. So that's the way that the mechanics work. Um... That's pretty much it. You can hit L and R to rotate your ship as well. So there's you're rotating and shooting in different directions as well while you're doing this. And it's just smooth. It's fun. I love shooters like this. Uh, I would... If I ever bought an arcade cabinet ever, I would buy Gunbird 2. Do you remember Gunbird 2? 
Gunbird 2 is really good. From uh, from the, uh, what was that arcade we used to go to? Nickel Arcade. No, it wasn't Nickel World. It was the one on, uh, it was the other one on Riverside. Oh. Forever ago. We were like seriously eight years old. It, was, it had Alien. Was it, was it Game Factory? Was it a Game Factory? I don't it, remember. It was the one with Alien versus Predator. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> Our our game. <laughs> so what's the what's the end game to this? Like to this particular game? Well, like so, once the level is done, do you lose your mies? Yeah, and that's the kind of annoying thing is it's so fun when I when you play these games, you want to play multiple levels, but like you know you play it and you beat the level and it's great, but then it's like okay, mies, you're dismissed, and then you have to either you know spend play coins or find other mies to play another level. So. That I don't love, but that's kind of inherent inherent in the actual, like, structure of how the game is played, you know? Right. Um, so my only complaint about this game is that I can't play it more, which is, I think, not the worst complaint. No, that's a good complaint. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's interesting, but it, the... <laughs> Like, what are they supposed to do? I mean, the model is based off of their street passing, which you have to interact with other people to do. They have to find a way to make you need to street pass more. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, there's just... What I'm hoping for is maybe once I beat the game, they'll allow you to go back and play some levels without street passing, but I'm not sure. And when you use your play coins, you can either spend two play coins to hire a mercenary, and the mercenary's color is random, or three play coins to hire a me that you've used before. And you can choose their color. So, you know when you pick your favorite color when you create your me, Each color is a different laser. So, like, the purple is just a straight laser. The black is, like, a bomb you shoot. Uh, there's a color that's, like, a wave, kind of, that shoots out. So, that's kind of interesting uh, for that. And that's how that aspect works. But it's got a good amount of replay value. I've already replayed a level, even though I'm not even halfway done with the game. Because there are up to five gems you can collect in each level. You get a bonus for not getting hit and losing any Miis, because when you get hit, you lose a me. And there is a, a target score that you want to beat, uh, because then you hit the target score, and that's like an achievement, kind of. So there's three different kind of objectives for each level. And when you beat a level, it shows your score compared to all of your friends' scores on Street Pass. So there's an inherent like competitive aspect, even though you may never see these people again, because you want to beat all these people you've beaten, uh, you've met in their highest score. So there's a lot of components to it that are really cool and give it a lot of replay value. And it's le- it's genuinely legitimately fun while you're playing it. And the music is super fun. And the, the little me captain hopping up and down saying, like, Me Force, assemble, you know, like, is very cute. So I like that game a lot. So that's, okay. that's Me Force. So uh, I'm just moving. I ha- literally have my 3DS XL out in front of me and I'm just looking at these games. Uh now that we understand the payment model, uh, the rest of these should go a little more quickly. Flower Town is you pot a plant, and or you plant a seed in a in a pot, and then you put it on a table outside, and then your street pass me's, your friends, when you meet them, they run up to your seed, they water it, which makes it grow a little bit, and then they run off. So you get eight me's, they water it eight times, okay? After five or six, usually waterings the plant is fully bloomed and then you put it in your plant plant journal and then anybody else that waters that plant harvests a seed off of it so let's say i have a fully grown plant six people show up they harvest six seeds out of it each seed has different attributes 
regarding color and genus, like, uh, shape of plants. Okay. And based on those, you can plant another seed, and it will give you the probability that it will generate a new plant. Um, this game sounds lame. It's... I it grew on me. Ha <laughs> ha! Get it? Oh! Uh, so here's the thing about Flower Town. Nope. Initially, when I thought that was the whole game, I, I thought it was kind of stupid. I'm like, really? You Once you've grown a plant, you can put it in your garden and arrange it certain ways. And I'm like, okay, I got this kind of like a Sims aspect. But every time I've played it, and I've played it probably seven or eight times by now, every time I've played it, they've introduced a new aspect of the game. First, they introduced... There's a mall where you can buy different color pots and buy other stuff. Then they introduced a system where you can sell seeds. Then they introduced a job system. Not like a Final Fantasy job system. But they introduced like a a quest system essentially. Where it's like plant this kind of – grow this kind of flower and give it to this old lady and you will get this cash reward. Then they introduced a new element where you can pay money to expand your garden. Then they introduced other new – so – it keeps building to where it seems more like a Sims kind of game. It's a very collection-focused game. So if you like collecting, this game makes sense. And it's also a kind of aesthetic design, like you're designing your your area. If you're the kind of guy who would play Civilization Three and really liked customizing your castle or whatever as you progress through the game, like this is that kind of thing, you know? Because uh, you make it personal and it's colorful and all that. It's Farmville. It's Nintendo's. It's Nintendo's Farmville. It kind of is. I I don't love this game. Um, and if I had reviewed it a week ago, I would have said pass on this game. It's really stupid. But again, it it keeps adding things. So I'm not gonna trash it. I'm not gonna say it's bad. I would just say that it's it's a more passive game, and um, it it serves a different purpose than the other games that you can get. But again, if if you're on the fence and you just kind of want to get the four-pack, I wouldn't say that this is so bad you shouldn't do it. It's it's worth playing. I turn it on. You know, I I mean, I, I play it. But um, so far, it hasn't blown me away. So that's Flower Town. Warrior's Way is very similar to Find Me. Uh, Find Me is the game that, as you mentioned, comes with the system. Uh, basically, Warrior's Way is... So some Street Pass Me's show up. They say... All right, here's Jonathan from Illinois. He's got 300 troops. Yes, they're going to follow your... They're going to join your cause. Awesome. And then Brad from Illinois shows up. He's got 250 troops. They're going to join your cause. Boom, okay. So whenever a smaller army gets street passed, they join your army. I'm up to like five or 6,000. When another army comes that has way more than you, like, say, 9 million, which has happened to me several times now, when the 9 millioners show up... Uh, they don't join your cause, they greet you, and they occasionally give you troops. And then you bring those troops to battle. So let's say like the first battle I had 800 troops, and I was going up against 500 troops. You split your forces into three um, three equal, three three parts, is essentially, however you want to divide them. You can see how the opponent has their guys split. He could have 100, 100, and 300, let's say. And then you split yours accordingly... And you assign them a role, like uh, archer, spearman, or swordsman, I want to say. And those roles, they play like rock, paper, scissors. So let's say, so first you send your force of 100 into battle against his force of 100. 
that's an equal match, right? Well, no. You pick rock, paper, or scissors. He picks rock, paper, or scissors. And if you get the advantage, you get the advantage. If you get the disadvantage, then he'll probably beat you. But if you have the same thing and you have superior numbers, you'll win. I've won with superior numbers every time. I've never actually chosen the right rock, paper, scissors of the three. I've always gotten beaten by the computer. So I'm really good at this game, clearly. But I always win with superior numbers. And you have to beat two of their waves of forces in order to take the nation, basically. There's like 15 different nations, I think. And then that's how you progress through that game. So it's basically a slightly more advanced version of rock, paper, scissors, where you're just building your army by talking to people. Okay. It's very simple. Um, it's pretty mindless, but it's kind of fun. And you have this like British dude with a monocle that's kind of your advisor that talks to you. And I think he's kind of cute and funny. Not a lot of depth, really. I mean, you're, tell- you're telling me that it's like five bucks for a souped up version of rock, paper, scissors, though. <laughs> I mean, that's that's what you're telling me. Kind of? And um, I like rock, paper, scissors. Yeah. But I can play it with my fist. Okay. Which doesn't which doesn't cost me which costs me less than five dollars. But you need to play it with your fist and another person. So this is like rock, paper, scissors for lonely people? For people without friends? Just because I You're not selling me on Just this because game. I don't have friends to play rock, paper, scissors with doesn't mean I'm lonely or don't have friends, John. Come on. It's it's an it's it's a it's it's nothing special, but I think it's fun. It's fun enough. It's, it's back of the box quote. It's it's, it's not fun a, enough. <laughs> <laughs> you're, an, you're a jerk. Uh, so Warriors Way is is it is what it is. It's um, fun enough. And it's here's the thing. Enough. Again, I've only played all these games a handful of times. There's stuff I haven't unlocked yet. I am glad I've gotten at least far enough in Flower Town to know that there's some stuff I haven't seen yet. If you unlock a dynamite, does it beat all other forms? Of armies. So the last game I reviewed, I'm going to review for never talking to you again <sighs> until next week, is Monster Manor. And this one surprised me as this actually might be my favorite. I know I just said the spaced one is, but I probably lied. I, I me force. I think Monster Manor might be my favorite. Monster Manor gives you the most playtime per session by I think by far, and. The most variety in one game, and it's it's actually really fun. So you're in a monster manor. Okay, that that makes sense. Uh, they incorporate the colors of your shirts. They incorporate an active battle system. They incorporate RPG elements. Like it's a, it's a surprisingly in depth game, and it's it's really fun. So monster manor is you are given a a floor plan, right? It's it's a grid. Let's say it's eight by eight tiles. Only it's not just a square. It's uh, Maybe like a plus symbol or something, okay? You need to find the staircase to ascend to the next floor. In order to do that, you need to place tiles on the floor that open up new rooms. So let's say you're in the bottom center tile, right? You street pass a couple guys and then you street pass Chuck from Maryland, okay? Chuck from Maryland is wearing a blue shirt, so he has a blue piece, The piece can be anywhere from one to six tiles of varying shapes. A lot of them look like Tetris pieces, like tetrominoes. So let's say you get like a plus-shaped block. 
You can place that adjacent to your room anywhere on this overhead map. You place that adjacent to your room, and then you walk into that room. If the block I placed was a different color than the block I started out with, then the chances are you'll enter a battle, which I'll get to in a second. If it's the same color, then you, if you complete a two by two square of the same color, it opens up a treasure room and you get a treasure from a treasure chest, which can range from anywhere from being a new weapon of a particular elemental type to being a spare battery for your weapons, because all ghost fighting weapons are battery powered, obviously, uh, to uh, like an orb that lets you upgrade your items. So you're strategically placing these tiles, trying to combine as many of the same colors as you can next to each other uh, so that you get more cool stuff, and then strategically placing the other tiles so that you can explore and fight battles. The battles are very simple, uh, basically, A is attack or shoot your gun, and L is block. But you get a bonus for not getting hit. So a ghost will appear. You can mash the A button a couple times to shoot a couple, you know, energy shots at him, and then he'll attack you just by watching his animation. It's it's not a it's not a passive battle system. This is all real time. Uh, you hit it a couple times, and then maybe hold L while your battery is recharging, uh, so that you don't get hit by him. And the battles are, are very short. They're pretty quick from what has happened to me so far. But you knock them out in a few shots. You get experience points. Your level your weapon can gain up, you, uh, level up. You can get items. And then you continue placing tiles given to you by the characters that you've street passed. So you've got the RPG element of getting things that level up. You've got these orbs where you can upgrade your gun. The guns have different elemental types. And in battle, you can use the touchpad to switch which gun you're using to combat the ghost's weakness. And you've got this uh, element of kind of the logical part of your brain, you know, placing these tiles. It's not rocket surgery or anything, but, but placing these tiles strategically on the map to try and reveal more of the floor. And then once you've reached the staircase, you can go upstairs. If you want to return to that floor later, you can, but... The idea is to progress, you know, up to the top floor of this monster manor. So it's multi-layered. Again, it it takes me probably at least 15, sometimes 15, 20 minutes to get through one session of this game. uh, If I've got, you know, eight or nine street past people. So there's more, there's the most amount of depth to it. And if you if you think you're gonna walk around with it a, with your 3ds a lot and not really maybe necessarily play it a ton, like I think this would be a really good a really good game because you know you're you're getting a lot of bang for your buck every time you enter this game, and that's Monster Manor. Sure, are these games like are all of them endless? No, there is a specific ending to all of them, and I really really want to deliver a follow up when I finish these games. Me Force definitely has a, a finite amount of levels. Flower Town, I don't know if they have any kind of ending. I know that you can continue adding journal entries uh, to your your flower journal. Warrior's Way has 15 nations, but I've already seen a big jump in the opponent's forces after like the fourth level, so I'm guessing that'll take me quite some time to build up an army strong enough to beat. And Monster Manor, I can't remember the floor you have to get to, maybe 15 or something, but once you do reach a certain floor, it, it does say that that is the end of the game. So again, I'll deliver a follow-up review once these games are done. But the other cool thing is, in all of these games, based on various achievements, 
Uh, maybe it's a high score somewhere, or maybe you open a certain chest in Monster Manor, uh, or you get a high score in, in the space game, or uh, discover a new breed in Flower Town. These will give you Street Pass like ex- like tickets, uh, is what they're, I don't know what they're called. Street Pass me tickets. You can bring them to the exchange booth in your, your Street Pass me section, and you can buy costume items for your me. So, like, right now, today's selection is a Tom Nook hat from Animal Crossing, an elephant hat, a whale hat, or a bird's nest hat. I'm currently wearing a Luigi costume that I got, and I've bought, like, a Mario costume, a Link costume, a green shell hat, a fire flower hat, things like that. And there are a ton of these items for you to get uh, that allow you to change like what your outfit is so there are like a zillion outfits you can unlock there's four on sale per day uh every day that changes out so there's a lot of variety and i like to change mine once in a while so that you know i can street pass somebody and then street pass another person four days later and it's a totally different looking me because i'm wearing a different accessory so the kind of payoff to a lot of this is um these these tickets that you get kind of have this value of giving your me a new look, which adds some variety. So it kind of spices things up a bit. And there's ways of getting them in all the games. I think I've gotten the most probably from the uh, the mansion one, the Haunted Ma- Monster Manor. I've definitely gotten the most from Monster Manor, but you get these tickets through all the games, and that's that's kind of the meta game that, uh, that that's the undercurrent through all of this. So those are the games. I would recommend getting the four-pack just because of the value. I, I don't... I don't hate any of these games. Like I said, I, I'm not in love with Flower Town, but it is what it is. And maybe it'll continue to grow on me. <laughs> grow on me. Uh, Monster Manor is fantastic. I would definitely recommend Monster Manor. And uh, Me Force is really good. I just wish I could play it more. I wish I could binge on it, but I can't. Because the levels are a bit short. You know, I'll get the Mii's five minutes later. I'm done with it. And then Warrior's Way is Warrior's Way. It's not John's cup of tea, but I think it's fine. So those are the Street Pass games. I don't know if I'm sold. <laughs> what do you know? No, I don't know. I, I mean, I, they just they. It, it seems like there's a lot more game to stuff. The the real draw is the actual street passing stuff itself. Like the actual act of street passing is kind of the the bigger draw, more so than the gameplay of these games. It kind of sounds like, and the ability to get stuff to dress up your your avatar, your me. I think it depends on the person. Right, but I mean that's ultimately that's what you're saying is that's kind of the end goal, right? That's your end reward for these for playing these games. Because uh, other than the haunted manor, the manners of madness, the what's it called? Haunted uh, monster manor. <laughs> yeah, other than monster manor, it doesn't seem like there's a lot of gameplay to any of these games. Um. Well. Well. No. There's definitely gameplay to Me Force. I mean, Me Force is, it's a straight up... Oh, sure, I'm sorry, the, up, and, yeah. the, and the shooter, too. Yeah, yeah, Me Force is a really good shooter. Yeah, Monster Manor's got the RPG element gameplay. Um, Warrior's Way, I would agree, has a very small amount of gameplay. I think Flower Town is one of those more strategic games where you're trying to collect things and eventually breed plants. I, I, I've, I've not gotten deep into Flower Town. I think there's more game there than initially meets the eye, and I'm just bad at it. So I would I would argue that for that one. 
Yeah, Warrior's Way is essentially rock, paper, scissors, so maybe you not. You could argue that, that for most of the games you play, though. What, that I'm bad at them? Yeah. That's really funny because that's totally not true in any way, ever. So shut up. Well, like I said, I I don't know if I'm I don't know if I'm 100 sold on that, but I, at the same time, it's a little it's a little it's a little less appealing to me because I don't live in a spot where there's a lot of street passing going on ever, you know. Yeah, see, that's the thing. I I really like street passing. You're about the only. You're about in in one of the only situations where if you make a game based on street passing, you're going to be able to get something out of it by living in Chicago. And taking public transport everywhere. Yeah, and obviously this... Nintendo's in Japan, and in Japan, everything is super urban. I mean, right. Tokyo specifically. Tokyo specific. Well, not everything is super urban, but there, there's a lot of cities, aren't there? I mean, isn't there a big... Tokyo Tokyo specifically is very congested. It is very... It, it is very compact. Okay. Maybe there's just more walking? That's what I see in anime. A lot of walking everywhere. Yeah, well, we all know that Japanese culture can easily be mirrored by anime. Right. So, I, point is, I believe that this whole thing was kind of designed, the whole Street Pass idea was keeping in mind a lot of Japanese people, because they're from Japan. Did you know that Japanese people can change sexes by being doused with cold and warm water? Ramna One Half taught me that. Yeah, Ramna One Half is a documentary. It's an, it, it's an anime? An anime documentary, yeah, yeah. Just like Japan. Yeah, okay, sure. So what I'm saying is I think a higher percentage of Japan is urban than American percentage. I think a higher percentage of Japan than a percentage of America. I think the percent, the number of percentages... <laughs> Listener, we're not just unqualified about video games. We're unqualified about other cultures as well, apparently. So... The thing is, Japan is really just a big city, isn't it? It's just a big city with a with a really long, tall wall in the middle of it. They got knocked down in the 60s? 70s? 80s? Oh, it was the 80s, wasn't it? Got knocked down to stop separating East and West Japan. Or North and South Japan, I think is... Ber- Berlin. No, North and South Japan. and because the, Ber- the Berlin, Japan. North Japan's the bad one, right? And then South Japan is the good one? Yeah, North Japan is the and then, But then they built a great wall to keep out the Mongols who are coming from the coast. On their seahorses. And you can actually see it from space. Japan. The Mongols? <laughs> yes, the Mongols. Don't be ridiculous. Don't be silly. Everything I've said so far is true. Look, point is, I know... All right, I don't know what I'm talking about. But what I was trying to say is I, I think... More people are in the position to street pass in Japan than there are in America, which is fine. So, you know, this is a very situational thing. If you live in North or South Dakota, do not get a street pass game because no one else is alive there. Now, I'd like to bring up another point, too. Nintendo has done some smart things regarding street passing, listeners. So, if you've ever heard of Nintendo Zones, um, I want to say they are in McDonald's as well as some GameStops. But I know for sure that they're in some McDonald's. And there's this really cool thing that they do where if you bring your 3DS to these areas, they store... I want to say it's, it's either the last person or the last five people that were that uh 
whose 3DSs were near these friend zones. And then when your 3DS gets near that, you download the data that is stored in those friend zones, and then your data is then uploaded to those friend zones. To the Nintendo zones. I don't know what they call them, friend zones. Yeah, I was going to Ninten- say, I know all about Did- the friend zone. You want to talk about the friend zone? I don't know what that is. It's what girls put you in when they don't want to put you out. Or, it's when it's what girls put you in when they don't want to put out to to you. Is So you download the, uh, the person or people that are stored in the Nintendo zone, uh, and then your data then gets uploaded to the Nintendo zone. So it, um, it's just like a, it's basically a consistently placed street pass for people. So they at least recognize that America has challenges when it comes to street passing that maybe Japan doesn't have. So they at least have recognized that and have taken some steps to fix it. Why Nintendo? I mean, why why Nintendo? Why McDonald's? Because they're the uh, location to go for healthy snacks and all things good health. You know, on my way to work, I walk by a McDonald's and they have a two McGriddle for four dollars special every day. I feel like McGriddles are are uh, a really bad heartburn. The last time I had one. Oh, I love the McGriddle. I had one, and I had, it was really bad. The heartburn was really bad. Two for four dollars? It'll kill you twice as fast, yo. Isn't the isn't the syrup baked into the pancake? Yeah, it is. It's, no, it's a sandwich. It's like a McMuffin, but instead of a muffin, it's a syrup infused bun, kind of like a pancake. A syrup infused ma- pancake, kind of. But ma- but maple syrup is a liquid. Yeah, I know. It's infused. Think about it. Ugh, it doesn't sound good. Like I said, I got me gave me really bad heartburn the last time I. I had mean, it. I, I, it's tasty. I don't feel good after I eat it by any means. I, I actually feel bad. Like my body doesn't like what happened, but it tastes good. Do you feel good after you have Taco Bell? Yes, Taco Bell is the best, dude. The Taco Bell I had Saturday was, was. It was spe- See, I live in a city. There's like two Taco Bells in Chicago that are anywhere near anywhere I ever go. So when I go near that Taco Bell, it's like a treat for me. And when I'm really drunk at four o'clock in the afternoon, sitting next to a girl named Jory, uh, talking to her about Santa Claus, that's some good stuff right there. That's when Taco Bell is really at its finest. And really, when I'm at my finest, let's let's be honest. Oh man, Taco Bell! I just remember her because you don't. Really, that's kind of a memorable name, Jory. You know. You know what? I can't think of a better place to pick up chicks than a place that's going to make you shit yourself. Oh, she was with like seven dudes. I wasn't trying to pick her up. I was trying to pick up the dudes. She was my in. So anyway, uh, Nintendo Street Pass games are good-ish if you're not John. But I say Monster Manor's really good, and uh, uh, and the Space One Me Force is pretty fun as well. So if you only get one, probably get the Hana one, or maybe Me Force. Uh, but hey, if if you like flowers, maybe Flower Power. I don't know. I'm not here to judge, but I do like the Street Pass. And actually, I beat uh, Link Between Worlds, you know, a couple weeks ago. Sure. And I've gotten notifications. That because I haven't played it since I beat it because I haven't needed to, but I have eight new shadow links that I can fight in the game now because I've passed. Yeah, I've passed eight people with street pass. 
I think those links are talking shit about you, dude. Oh, yeah? You need to go take them down. I probably will. I actually started the the pre-order bonus for the uh, 3DS, this Legend of Zelda Link Between Worlds 3DS XL. The pre-order bonus was a copy of The Legend of Zelda Oracle of Seasons, mm-hmm. released in 2001, and I did start that. So I'll, I'll review that at some point in the future. Those games were phenomenal. Really good. Seasons and Ages? They were both very good. Did you play them both? I did. Oh, fine. I guess I'll just... I did. Play it 10, 12 years later than you. Fine. I don't care. It's fine. It's kind of cool. You've given me homework now because now I have to, now I have to like go back, look at all of the episodes because I don't, I don't keep a log. I've been meaning to do this, but I don't keep a log of the games that I play. What I really, you know, I used to do that, right? The log. I know, I know, I know you did. (laughs) And I, and I've been meaning to start that, but I never have. Well, but mine was never ongoing. So, so listener, in case you're not aware, starting in 2008, I want to say, in December, I wrote a note on Facebook. You remember Facebook notes? You ever do that? I remember Facebook. <laughs> so Facebook had this feature called notes, which it's, they're still around, but no one uses them. And it's basically you write a blog post kind of and it's called a Facebook note. It's stupid. It doesn't matter. But I wrote a Facebook note called 20, 2008 or 2009 or whatever, year in review of video games. And I went back and I thought about every video game I had played and then guesstimated how long I played each of those games. Now, this was easy on Xbox because you could pull up Xbox Live and see when you last played each of your games in your library. It was also possible to do that on the Wii to some degree, so I kind of did that. And then I just, I didn't play that many games that year. So I remembered what I played on PS2 and like my handhelds. Like, cause I, you know, if I bought a handheld, I, I had it. I just looked through how many handheld games I have. And I'm like, oh yeah, I bought these DS games this year. So I did that and tagged a bunch of my friends in it. And it was kind of a funny, stupid thing. I did the same thing for the, the following three years after that. And either last year or the year before was the first, it must've been the year before last was the first year I had never done it because I played so few video games. Because I got to the end of the year and I was like, well, I played some Rock Band. And, uh, yeah, some it, Call of Duty. Having, I mean, having the podcast is going to be really nice because we'll be able to go back. So, listener, you can look forward next week to uh, Cody and I talking about the best games that we played this year. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, And that, that, doesn't, and that doesn't mean they're going to be from this year, but it's going to mean that they're going to be the best games that we played this year. Ten is a lot, because we've only really been consistently podcasting. I said five. You said five? I said five. Okay, so you're going to do five, four, and three, and I'll do one, two, and one? Or do you want to just do five and four, and I'll do three, two, and one? So wait, I'm going to do five games, and then I'm going to do four games. Then you're going to do three games, and two games, and one game? Yes. That seems like a lot. So does five each... I didn't even play five games this year. Our podcasts, I think, beg to differ. Well, only one way to find out, John, and that's by you going back and listening to every episode. Oh, no. Why, why did you say that like that? Because I know what our listeners go through <laughs> oh by, listening to, by listening to this podcast. Speaking of, speaking of our listeners going through stuff, uh, uh, unqualifiedgamers.com is under construction. So check back with that. I'm going to try and have it up by the new year. That'd be really cool. I actually think I have to get it up this week for various reasons, but uh won't get into that. So anyway, 
Do you use, isn't this the point where you usually say, well, listener, thanks for listening, and then I, like, just keep talking anyway? I, I mean, I would like to thank the listener for sticking it out if you've made it all the way to the end here. Uh, it was nice of you to join us. So I was thinking about Google Plus today. That was a really good start. All right, keep going. And Tumblr, and there was a, I was on the, YouTube Angry Video Game Nerd had a new video this week. It's pretty funny. I only watched half of it. Are we just going to have a conversation where we say different social media things? And then you were... The, the Google Plus and the YouTube uh, and the Friendster and the uh, the MySpace 2. Uh, MySpace 2 is really good. Steeled Casket is on there. You ever heard of them? And the the Dig It. I totally thought you were going to say the D. <laughs> Are you on the D, John? Is that the Dig? Nope. Or is it... Just the D. Are you on it? Is it a drug? Get on that. Get on the D, John. You gotta jump on the D? You're gonna jump on the D. Uh, so I'm supposed to let the D get inside me? Yeah. You sick. That was pretty good. Let's stop. I think that was pretty good. Let's stop it right now. All right.